it was a catch twenty two. Right, like, you know right. I mean? Oh my so gosh. After after just going through what I went through and realizing the drug, like I was losing hair from the drug, and you know, mm. um, I was like, like there must be a better way. Like I started to study the illness online, try to like search up people that have it. Right. See, like can, because they told me this illness, illness that I have it can't be cured. It's it's I, I'm gonna die with it. Um, oh. and also too, it, this having this illness shortens your life expectancy. You are listening to the Derek Asante Podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. We just aim to keep the discussion above the average. Our guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we are kicking it with a go-getter. That's what I like to call her. The sister, um, her story is one that is inspirational for all of us. I mean, myself included, I've had the privilege of truly getting to know her uh, as not as much as I would love to get to know her. I think this conversation is going to allow me that, that opportunity. And so, you know, she truly has a different motor when it comes to just a drive, an entrepreneur, a partner, a mother, uh, just to add more to what, you know, what she's got going on in her grit. She's the founder of a few companies, actually. So I'm going to share some of those with you. And I'm hoping that we can, you know, dive in a little bit deeper with them. One of them is Cooking with Tam Tam. And, and that is literally, I think it's a, a catering service. Uh, I hope I'm right with that. And the, the other is an event decor, which is, I think it's Nui Lux. But she's going to correct me on that when I bring her on. Um, please help me welcome the brilliant individual behind the businesses, Tamika Hales. Welcome. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you so much. Um, it, it is Nui and Lux. Nui um, and Lux. So it's, yeah, Nui and Lux. Awesome. Now, <clears throat> there's a segment in the show I'm going to get to, and I want to get more in depth with your businesses. And so okay. I'm definitely going to give you the floor to share a little bit more about that with us so that we can learn more about it. Uh, but I want to take it way back. I want to go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, get to know who you are so the listeners have a, a sense of who Tamika is and, you know, what she's about and what she's doing so that we can all kind of grow to fall in love with you and what you're doing. Now, <clears throat> I usually open the show with a quote and I'm going to share the quote that I have for you today. And I want you to tell me what it kind of triggers, what comes to mind when you hear those words. Okay. All right. So this quote is by Elizabeth Edwards. It reads, she stood in the storm, and when the wind did not blow her away, she adjusted her sails. Hmm. That's a. I actually really like that quote, and it's funny you chose that quote um, for me. Um, to me, what I pull from that is um, I can definitely gear that towards myself in my life. Um, you know, I, I never had the greatest life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's been quite a struggle. So I, I've, I've gone through a lot and, um, even with going through a lot, I just always, you know, as, as Elizabeth said, I adjusted my sale. I just tried something different. I just kept trying something different. So no matter what roadblock, um, I hit or whatever happened or whatever I was going through, mm -hmm. 
I just kind of tried something different or did something different or switched it up. I never let what I was going through break me. Wow. And it's funny, as I was looking through to find a quote for you, that's the one that stuck out to me the most. Because since I've met you, you know, uh, what is it? It's been, what, four, five? No, it's been more than that. It's been at least least eight years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, about eight years. And that stuck out to me just because, you know, when I run into you, you're up to something or you're doing something and I find out that you're into this and into that. I don't want to give that away yet because I think it has everything to do with the business that you're doing, but we're going to get yeah. into that. And that's that quote stuck out to me because it resembled and reflected who you were to me. And so I'm glad you also found um, truth in that. And, and yeah. That. yeah. Now, <clears throat> you come from a small or a large family. Um, so on my mother's side, it's the my family's pretty small and and that was my immediate family however on my dad's side it's pretty large um i have lots of aunts uncles and cousins on my dad's side um uh when i was younger i used to um my dad lives in the states uh in connecticut so i used to go there every summer and spend um time with my family mm-hmm. in the states um but my immediate family was just myself my sister my mother and my grandmother okay how was that like growing up I mean, having to commute back and forth to visit your dad and then having a small, intimate family over here. Um, I, I actually loved um, going when my mom would send me over to my um, my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. It's, it's actually two different, it's completely two different spectrums, completely two different families. Um, I don't, I didn't, even though my mother raised me or I grew up with my mother, we never had a great relationship. Um, our relationship is actually <laughs> non-existent currently, but we, I never had a good relationship with my mother. So the times that she would send me away to my um, dad, I, I loved it. I loved the escape. Nice. Nice. Was there, if you don't mind sharing that is, was there anything like something specific that kind of frayed that relationship with your mom? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I come from a very, um, strong West Indian Caribbean background. Um, so like, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, begin to know, <laughs> begin to know, you know, what happened, um, why the relationship was like what it was. Um, mm-hmm. like there's been like in, instances where, um, I kind of thought it had to do with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother was a young mother. Um, she had me when she was about, 15 turning 16 in oh, Jamaica. Wow. Yeah. So, and my dad was 20 at the time. Um, so yeah. And then, so after she had me, her dad, which was, he was already up here in Canada, he filed for her and brought her up. So I was just still down in Jamaica with, um, my grandmother kind of raised me, um, both my grandmothers. So on my mother's side and my father's side, and my dad raised me until I was eight. And then my grandmother, and I came up, um, immigrated to Canada to be with my mom. Oh, wow. So I don't know, like, you know, my father may not have treated her well. Right. So I kind of maybe got the backlash of that. Mm. So that's why I think our relationship was kind of strained from the beginning. Right. Right. Wow. So you became almost like the focal point, the blame, the reason for 
that not happening and not, not basically basically or um the the bad stuff that he was doing um my mother thought i knew about it and i never went and told her but i was a child you know what i mean right, right. like you know me being a, around my dad and like let's say he has female friends and he introduces them as friends i'm i'm yeah i'm not gonna know that right there's something there, you know, I'm right. just thinking that's my dad's friend. So, um, apparently my mom thought, you know, I knew about the stuff that she was doing and I kind of, I guess she felt betrayed because I lived with her and I never said anything to her about right. it. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. That's a, that's a lot to carry as a child though. Yes. It is. Oh my goodness. Cause you, that, that to me, as I'm hearing you say it, I'm thinking you technically didn't get a chance to be a child because you were kind of no. thrown into the, the adult world to know these things or be a part of it. Yeah, I absolutely um, did not get to be a proper child or um, experience a proper childhood. And um, within having to deal with all of that, um, my safeguard was always my sister. It was just, everything was just me and my sister. She was there for me to kind of, you know, like yeah. get me away from, all the other mess that was kind of happening in my life. Right. And is your sister the younger one between the two of you or? Yeah, she's actually is younger than me. And she has a different father than, right. than um, I do. So it's the same mother, different dads. Wow. And what's, what's your relationship like with her? With my sister? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're extremely close. We've kind of, um, now that we're older and we kind of both have our separate lives now. She's married and, you know, um, has her partner and a child. And now I have my partner and a child. We're not like as close as we used to right. be, but we're like, when I tell you we did every single thing <laughs> together, um, she saved me so many times from my mother as a child. Um, we road trips, everything. She was there for my, my kids, everything. We're wow. very close. Wow. So it's it's a poor reference, but I'm going to use the Thelma and Louise type of uh, analogy for that. I'm assuming you guys are like, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. What did you what did you want to be when you were a child? Oh, many things. I had many dreams when I was younger. Um, yeah. I, used to, I used to love dancing, so I wanted to be a choreographer. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, I not, not the star, it. but the choreographer. Yes, yes, because um, I'm always, I'm, and I'm still this way to this day. I don't know if it was because of what I went through as a child. I, I don't like the for, being the forefront of anything. I like being behind the scenes. Uh, I can respect that. I'm, I'm, I'm the yeah, same way. Like, I don't want to be the face of anything. I, I yeah. want to be the, the machine or the, the person kind of, the puppeteer, I guess you want to call it that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So a dancer, what else? What else did you want to be? Um, what else did I aspire to be? I, I loved writing poetry, so I wanted to be a poet. Um, you, you still write by any chance? I haven't written in so long. I haven't um, sat down and, and, and picked up a pen in so long. A few years back, I actually wanted to um, actually try to push myself to get again to like push out a, po a, a book of poems. Yeah. Um, so I kind of I said, this is what I'm going to do. I kind of sat myself down and said, I'm going to start this project. Mm -hmm. And I started and I was pushing out a few, um, but then I had writer's block and then I just, I just could not go anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, maybe, maybe 
this is just not the time for it right now. Right. Um, I'm put it on hold and then I'm going to pick it up and go back to it maybe further on in my life. Nice. Do you ever get the itch to write something or ideas pop through yes, your head? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> like I'll just be just going along with regular day life and something will just come to my head. And I was like, you know, I have to grab a pen and a paper and, you know, jot it down. Right. That's awesome. What were, what were some of the subjects that you would write about in the past? Um, it was mostly like lived experiences. So my childhood experience, mm-hmm. um, you know, love. Um, I don't know. I'm a very yeah. um, big love oriented person. And again, everything always um, goes back to the way how you were raised. Right. Um, it, it's such a, a big thing in your life. You see, in my life, I didn't so much get the love that I needed mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. So it was like always something I kind of searched for or I was longing for, or like I had so much love to give, you know what I mean? Right. And like, I just wanted to find that in return. It, isn't that interesting? Like it, it's so true what you said, because our foundation, mm-hmm. our formidable years is zero to eight or seven. Right. So if that foundation isn't, what it should be, it changes the future, right? Exactly. It, yeah. it shapes us most definitely. I 100% um, think that is so true, um, which is why I think parents need to be so careful with how they raise their kids in their young age. Because, yes. you know, like, as I said, um, the home that I grew like grew up in, it was not great at, at all. I went through child abuse, verbal abuse, um, from my mother. Right. So mm. it made me very like timid as a kid. I was afraid to talk to people. Um, it made me very shy, very reserved. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I find till this day, like I still have some of those qualities. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's scary because we don't know, especially, I mean, there's no manuscript for being a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. And oftentimes I find that we mimic what we remember or what we see. Um, and so we have to be careful what we pass on. Uh, yeah. You know, the things that we repeat. And tradition is one of those things that it's, it's something that I'm, I'm learning in recent times to not hold too closely to the heart because a lot of ignorance lives in there as well. Yes. Yes. You know, yes, I agree. Yeah. a lot of harm can come from tradition, but a lot of good can come from it, too. But I'm finding that oftentimes the traces of the negative is what we tend to repeat. And, yes, and, and, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I, and it's funny because people say, oh, well, I was raised this way and look how I turned out. And that's mm-hmm. that's the tricky part, because the negative impacted you so much traumatically that you think it was actually the good that came out of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I tell that to people all the time. It's funny. I tell that to people all the time when sometimes, you know, when sometimes people use, you know, they've been through so much bad and then they're like, they kind of, people kind of use that as an excuse to just be yeah. yes. bad people in the future or just continue the, you know, yeah. the the negative um, aspect of it. But yeah. it's, you know, it's whatever it's you as a person. It depends on you as a person and whatever you, you, you choose to use that as, yeah. you know what I mean? It could be a light or it could be a darkness. Yeah. And I chose to use what I went through in my experience as becoming a light and, and changing, let's call them generational curses. And, you know, like not 
wanting to become like a certain person or want to be better than the per- person or the experience that I grew up in, I was raised in. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, in in the family setting, although it wasn't what you would have loved for it to be, did you get the support that you, you know, you would have desired for your dreams? Like, being a dancer or wanted to be a dancer or even the, the poetry or anything like that. Were you supported um, in any of those? No, not really. Because again, it goes back to all those, um, you know, like those um, generational or traditional things like in the West Indian um, background, or let me, let me say um, it may not be in general because it may not like not every um, West Indian culture or background person that comes from that experiences that, right. um, in mine, which was the very old school version, um, dreams, dreams and support isn't really a thing. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like dreams, what are those? They, they just, they just, you know, this is a thing. Like you go to school, get your education and you go and work for someone and, and you're good. Like you, you're, you're glorified. You're great. Like yeah. if you do that, right. Yeah. Um, support, like in the West Indian background, they have this weird thinking of, once you become a certain age and you get a job, then like, that's it, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're kind of on your own. So there's right. no um, support there. And in terms of emotional support, they themselves um, don't really know how to support you emotionally because right. they continued bringing that um, negative uh, tradition forward because yeah. their parents didn't really support them much. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, that's that's so, yeah. There was that. Yeah, so that's that's there, the there generational thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. There wasn't much support, or you know, dreams, or you want to do this and you want to do that. Like it was, you know, like just do the standard um, glorified thing that is what's set or what's told for us to do, which is go to school and you know do something, make sure it's something important in school that you're doing, and then get right. a job. Right. Mm, that's that's so scary though, right? Like we're creating people, you know, to say that they're the future, but yet they have no dreams of what a future might look like. Exactly. Exactly. And, and whose dreams right. or future are you enforcing on, yes. on on people or us? You know what I mean? Or little oh. innocent human beings. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Oh my gosh. It's, it's, it's incredible when we get to reflect. Um, yes, it is. What, what, do you think set you apart from your peers at that young age, like before teenage years, like what set you apart? What, what set me apart from my peers? Um, Did you have a lot of peers that age? No, no, no. Um, before teenage years, I didn't really have a lot of peers. Um, again, because of my situation, right. my home situation, I was very reserved. I, I didn't really talk to many people in elementary school. I think I had, I had one best friend in elementary school yeah. um, and we were pretty close, really, really close. And she ended up moving in grade seven, I believe it was. And, and we lost contact and didn't yeah. speak after that. But other than her in elementary school, I, I never had um, peers. And so who, who were, who did you become in high school? Like, what were you like in high school? How would you describe that, Tamika? In high school, it was even like the same thing. I lived <laughs> basically the same life pretty much really? throughout my whole life. Yeah. Oh my in, gosh. In, in, yeah, in high school, and I was, 
you know, very timid, like um, kept to myself, kept quiet. Um, I met a few people. Uh, uh, in grade nine, I started um, at Jean Vanier. Um, okay. Yeah, I met a couple, like maybe three friends there. And, um, you know, I guess I started to um, miss classes and stuff like that. My mom found out. So immediately after grade nine, she switched me from that school and I went to another high school. Um, So, yeah. And then so at that high school that she switched me to, which was Midland Collegiate Institute, um, I met a few like great people there. uh, But again, I didn't get to like expand on any of those bonds because that high school it ended up that they were closing it down so now i got switched to another high school wow Um, yeah (laughs) so in grade 11 i ended up going to sir wilfred laurier and um so you kind of started (laughs) you didn't have any real you didn't have any real stability then no i didn't not at all wow so you're already quiet timid you know, not very um, socializing with, with others. Then you get switched into another school. You're trying to start bonds or set things up and then you get switched again. What did that mean? Yeah. Like, how did, how did you in, internalize that? Like, what did that make you feel like? Um, because I had so much going on at the time mm-hmm. and um, because I was so in-depth in, in, in my reservedness and I thought, you know, this is just who I am. This is just what I do. Yeah. Because also to um, my dad, uh, from my dad, he's a very, even though he comes from a large family, he's also a very quiet, reserved person. He doesn't like crowds. Okay. He doesn't have like, like I remember he used to tell me when I was younger, you know, like, I think it's a Caribbean saying, you know, don't bother with the friend and company, you know, friends lead you astray kind of thing, right. you know, so just focus on your school stuff and forget about friends, you know? So I kind of thought like, just, that's just who I am. Like I not really a people person, like, you know, and I was okay with that. Right. Like, um, don't get me wrong though. Even though like I spent such a short time at each school, I did, um, find like meet some really like great people. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we, like, again, we didn't get to build and expand on it yeah. much. I think there's only maybe, one person who she was um, one of the girls from Banyi, um, who currently now is still in my life. So 20 plus years, um, we we fell off for a little bit after my mom took me out of that school. So mm-hmm. we fell off for a few years and then we reconnected again. Um, she's currently my son's godmother. So um, there is that. And then when I went to Sir Wilfred Laurier, there was a group of girls that um, like were my friends and I hung out with and we were cool with. Um, we didn't build anything sustainable, but like, I'll still like message them on Facebook or Instagram. Right. We still meet up or like see each other maybe once a year, right, <laughs> maybe right. like, you know, if yeah. anyone's having something yeah. type of thing. So, nice. but anything like real, real besides the one at Vene, um, that's um, mostly just it. Wow. What's, what's your Zodiac sign? What's my Zodiac? Pisces. Ha. Huh. I knew we had something in common. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're the greatest. (laughs) Yes, I concur. Uh, um, Now, do you think that has a role or do you believe in that stuff? Like when you read about Zodiac signs and do you think they have a place in your world? Um, 
I definitely think um, there is some substance to Zodiac um, yeah. because for myself, like I'm to my Zodiac to the T, like mm-hmm. to the T, like that's definitely me. The only thing I would say that I'm not really like you try to paint Pisces as like, you know, dreamers that um, kind of are aloof to reality um, type of thing. Right. Yeah. Which I don't think it doesn't, that part doesn't pertain to me. I'm like, I definitely dream now because I didn't get to dream much yes. um, in my younger days, but I'm not aloof to society. I'm not picking up dreams that I know that won't fit or won't work or it will mm. never happen. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like I am a dreamer and I do believe um, the things that I try to attain can most definitely happen. I, I'm a firm believer of that. But I don't live in dreamland. <laughs> yeah. No, that, and that's the thing. You're, tr- you're right with that. A lot of people associate us with that and far from the truth. Yeah. Far yeah. from the truth. I think, I think we're one of the people that are most grounded in who we are and what we want to do. And I, think, I definitely believe that. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, so you're a mother. How many kids yeah. do you have? I have two kids. I have a girl, which was my firstborn. She will be 21 in October. And I have a what? son. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have a son who will be 16 in May. Oh my, you have adults. So you don't have big. kids anymore. You have adults. Yes. Don't <laughs> so call them my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so at what age? I don't want to do the math, but at what age did you become a mother? And then um, um, how did you interpret I had, that? I was pregnant. I was pregnant with my daughter at the age of seventeen. I had her um, when I turned eight. After I turned eighteen, um, you know what? As I said, um, how you raise your children in in, in the home in the younger mm. days definitely affects their future. I didn't get the motherly affection or love at home. So whatever any, let's say male person or or a a person that I was attracted to, or maybe Mm -hmm. they're attracted to me, whatever they showed me as love, even though now that I look back at it as an older person, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm like thinking, what was I really thinking? What was I doing? You know, (laughs) like how could I accept that as, as oh, that person loved me. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I ended up, getting pregnant um, with my daughter um, when I was in high school with this guy that said he loved me, but just completely did not love me at right, all, Right, you know? Um, but how could I differentiate at the time when the love that I taught at home was kind of non-existent or it was, you know, I can talk to you how I feel like talking to you. I can beat you or do certain things to you. Oh, but I'm your mother. I, I love you. You know what I mean? Right, thing. So. Right. You know, how, how, how can I tell that this definitely wasn't something that I want to do. And I, and I did things that I didn't want to do because I, I felt like if I don't do this, she'll just go and do it with someone else and he won't love me. You know what I mean? So that's how kind of, I ended up in this situation because I, 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 I never thought about kids in my younger days. I I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a parent. I wanted to you know, um, be financially stable and then, and then think about kids in the future. Right. So, um, yeah, it happened, but honestly, I love my daughter to death. And I think as much as the whole experience of, um, you know, being with the wrong person and, um, getting pregnant and not having a great experience as experiencing pregnancy as, or the whole childbirth experience as what it should be. Yeah. Um, 
I love my daughter and I, and I think of her as a gift. I think I definitely think of it as, as a, as a gift at such a young age, because, um, I had so much love to pour out into someone, Derek, yeah. and it, it was stifled for so long yeah. that I definitely think God blessed me with that child. Yeah, no, that's, that's probably one of your greatest gifts. I think, um, yeah. that you'd probably get, you know, be, be, besides life, I think that's definitely one of the greatest gifts because I'm, I'm thinking as you're speaking and I can hear the passion because you're reflecting on the journey that you went through as a young mom. I'm, I'm curious to know what, what that moment felt like when you realized I'm going to be a mother and how did that make you think about your future? Um, Sorry, before you answer, the reason why I'm asking that question is because a lot of times I remember back, you know, back in those days, the the stigma was if you're a teen mom, your future is non-existent. Yes. So, (laughs) right. So I'm curious to see what you, how you interpreted that, because that was a messaging that was going around in in that time. Yeah. Um, So at the time um, when I found that I was pregnant with my daughter. I was actually four months pregnant when I found out I was pregnant with my oh, daughter. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even know. I didn't know. So wow. I was living regular life because, yeah. because I was going through so much. And I actually, I left home. I had already left home um, because it was so much bad that was happening there. I left home at a, um, at that age and I was living, I think I was living with one of my friends. Wow. Um, and I realized I was like, it's, it's, it's been a while since, you know, like I, I've seen cycle, my yeah, uh, yeah, cycle, yeah. but I thought, I thought because I was, I thought it was stress. Mm. Like I had thought it was stress. Um, you know, I, I was going through a lot. I was a, a young, like back and forth in school. Like now that I moved in with this friend and now I was so far away from the current school that I was going to, I was missing a lot of school and the relationship with my um, mother, not being home and just, worrying about how my future was going to be in period in general. Right. Like I was already thinking like, I don't want to be like a homeless teenager on the street. Right. 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 Um, so I thought it was stressed. So yeah. Until one day, um, I was like, you know, the fourth month, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could still say it's stressed. And then I took a test and it came out positive and then I wanted to make sure. So I went to the doctors and I, did a test um, via the doctor and it came out positive. At that point, I was, I was scared. Um, wow. Mostly I was terrified to um, call my dad and, and tell my dad that, you know, I was pregnant because um, I hold my dad so highly. Like, as I said, I loved being with him. It was a different experience than it was with my mother. Right. Like, um, because of the love I had for him, I was like, I don't want him to think that, you know, right. like, I'm a bad person or a bad teenager. Right. Um, so I was terrified to tell my dad, but I ended up talking to my dad and it wasn't as bad as I, 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 I thought yeah. it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So then after that, I thought, Oh my God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm now I'm going to be like a single black, like the stereotype, you yes. know, single black yeah. female with a child, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, kind of has nothing going for her. So then I was extremely worried about that. Um, but you know what? Like I started changing my mind to think of, um, 
I was supposed to have my daughter. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to focus on loving myself and my daughter. Mm. Whatever may come of the future will come of the future. So I didn't so much focus on like dreams or what I wanted to become or what I wanted to do or what I was going to do. So after now finding out, like, you know, I was pregnant, I ended up leaving my friend's home and I was living in a teenage um, pregnancy maternity home. Right. Um, so I was there and there was a lot of support there. It was um, the pregnancy home on Broadview. I remember it's called Massey Center. Okay. Um, and I met quite a few young women like mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. in the same situation. So, you know, I, that's how I experienced my, um, my teenage pregnancy life there. They had two different sections. So there was a section where we um, lived in the main center and we had roommates. And once you have the child, they have like little townhouses where you get your own townhouse mm-hmm. and um, you, uh, they help you like, um, with services and support, like help you sign up for, um, um, what do they call it now? Ontario works okay. where you get assistance because right. you have to kind of pay like a minimum fee on now the townhouse side. Once you move out of the main part, you have to pay like, just like you're paying rent. Right. Um, they're trying to like, you know, prepare us for going out there with our kids. Right. right. Um, they assisted us. Like we got formula, we got formula for our babies. Mm. Um, from the center. Um, so, you know, they assisted us in terms of daycare. There was a daycare there. So I can, um, I put my daughter in daycare pretty early, which, which I didn't want to do, but you know, like, again, like I wanted to give my daughter things that I never got. So I was like, you know, I'm getting a job, put her in daycare. Um, so she was in daycare four months. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, before I got a job, I finished, um, I went back to an adult learning center to finish high school, Mm. um, or to finish up some credits. Um, then I got a job. I was working for a bit. Um, I reached out to, I think it was right before I was having my daughter. I reached out to my mother again and, you know, um, I decided to try at this relationship again mm-hmm. and I ended up moving back home. Um, and so she was there for the birth of my daughter. She was the one at the hospital with me, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved back home, went back to, went to another high school to now get the last couple of credits, which was mother Teresa. Right. Um, so got my credits there, completed that. And from there on, I like just working, 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 working. And my sister, my number one main like support system, she watched my daughter when I was at work. She picked up, she also went to Mother Teresa and there was a daycare attached to Mother Teresa. So that's where my daughter went. Um, She picked up my daughter from school while I was at work. Um, She took care of her when, again, when I was at work. So when she brought her home, that's one thing that I really would have wanted to probably do more mm-hmm. is be more present in my daughter's life when right. she was younger. Right. But your, right? Cir- your um, circumstances, right. Change. So you have to yeah. be the provider. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. And exactly. It, unfortunately, like it, for me, it took me a while to recognize that about my mother because 
I didn't realize what she was doing. Because when you're a kid, mm-hmm. you just, you're thinking about yourself, your needs and your wants, right? And mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me why she had two, three jobs and I don't see her. And, you know, you finish school, you come home, you're raising yourself for a couple of hours until she comes home. So yeah. it was, it's was, it was very interesting until much older, I realized, okay, she was sacrificing. She didn't want to do those three jobs, but she had to sacrifice. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, no, I think, I think she definitely appreciates, you know, what you did for her because she's now an adult doing the things that she wants to do. And she has your support. She has you to look at, you know, as far as what an example should be um, as far as a woman. Right. And so I think that's more blessings that you're able to share with her. I want to go back to something that you said um, while you were telling that story about your dad. What's the significance um, to you and the role that he plays in your world? Because it sounded like he is your rock next to your sister so i'm I'm... yes yes um you know even though like i wouldn't say my dad was present present so Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna give him right you know 101 like um you know he was right his figure his figure yeah 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 because um in terms of i don't know whether when i was younger whether he financially helped my mother out in providing for me. So right. I don't know about that. Right. But when I, but when my mother did send me over there, he took care of me. Right. He financially, he provided for me. Mm-hmm. Um, we hung out, we, we spoke like, like a father and a child or mm-hmm. just like parents and children are supposed to do. We bonded, we did things together. Right. So he fulfilled my emotional um, well-being mm-hmm. as much as my financial well-being. Mm-hmm. I never, I'm not, not to say that I don't want to say I, I went without while I was with my mother, but she did her minimum. Right. She fed me and I had a roof over my head and she clothed me. Right. Mm-hmm. Until I got to a certain age, um, then she no longer provided for me anymore. Yeah. Which was a pretty young age. And um, you see, like that instilled in me, like, um, and I really wish people would take this out of their mind because Right now, they think 18, the age 18 is you're adult, you're grown, you're good to go. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my mom stopped providing for me way before I was 18. I think it was when I was 12 or 13 years old. Yeah, no, that's okay. I don't know where you got that number from, to be honest with you, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're 12 right. or 13 years old. But now they think an 18 year old is okay to be out there. And to me, my kids, will always have my support no matter what they may need from me. Even if they are 50, Derek, my child is still going to be my child. I brought them into this world. Age does not end or cut off where I assist my child. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it should never cut off for anyone. Yeah. It's not, you're an adult now, figure it out or, I struggled, so you go struggle too. It's it's it should never ever be that way. Yeah. So um, yeah. So my mom stopped providing for me a long time, and and my dad was my world because we we spoke. Yes. <laughs> like you know what I mean. And like it's sorry to cut you. It's it's crazy that all that you really needed was someone to speak to you like you existed. Exactly. Like, exactly. A lot someone, of people think it's more than just, that. It's it's not. Like just <laughs> be a parent. That's like it. just 
that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, but they're so focused on like instilling fear into children. Like, I'm the grown up. I'm the adult. You fear me. I'm yeah. the power. Yeah. My my dad never did that. Like we bonded, we built something. Yeah. And so to this day, um, I like we, we WhatsApp, we FaceTime each other, we talk. Like my only thing is, is I wish I had more time with my dad, like growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Than, than, than just seeing him whenever I got the chance. Like as I got older and my mom, because my mom stopped sending me after a while. As I got older, um, now I was the one who, actually was making the commute i would drive now that i'm older i have my right. kids i would drive all the way from here to connecticut yeah um to go see my dad but then i ended up getting like a career job and i couldn't take all the time that yeah. i used to be able to take to travel so now there's years between when i last seen him right right now what do you think is important I'm asking this question because I want any young person, uh, young woman listening to this, uh, or even a parent listening to this to be able to communicate it to their child. Like, what do you think is the most important thing for people to know about your journey between the period of finding out you're pregnant and navigating the world and reaching out for those resources? Like, what message can you leave for those young women that could potentially become young mothers themselves or are in that space where they're not getting the love or, you know, appreciation from their families. Like anything that you can leave them with so that they can sort of maybe avoid that journey or that path. Um, basically that the love that you have for yourself is, is, is more than enough. It's strong enough. Um, whether you're trying to receive love from a parent or from another person, you, like, yes, we're all humans, and we're 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 basically we're supposed to be peers, right? right? But besides searching for that outside outside love, the love that you have for yourself will take you further than any other love can take you. Now, okay, so how do we find that love? Because I know how to find that love. For me, you know how to find it because mm -hmm. you found it. Someone who is in a space where I don't know what that means. I've heard that a few times. What does that mean? How would you help them identify what that looks like? I would say, um, like, what? well, for you to for for them to identify it, you just have to nurture yourself, and 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 it and it is difficult and and something hard to note that you have to nurture yourself as a young person, mm -hmm. not getting the proper nurture or love. Um, like, how does one know? Like, you know, just nurture myself like put poor positive thoughts into myself focus on you know dreams and aspirations how how does one know to push themselves to do that I, I i don't know like i don't know if i could say i could tell someone how to do that right one one thing that i do is i literally write things to myself i write notes to myself yeah um and I have a, a notepad that i walk with that i have a lot of things that i say to myself so uh, it's not I say, oh, you are great. No, I say, Derek, you are great. Like, I literally put my name in there because I want to know that I'm speaking to me, right? So for me, 
I do that actually every day. I have a script that I re-recite to myself every day just because the way you set yourself up every day matters, right? And it's going to carry yes, out throughout the day. So those are that's just something that I do. Um, I know people do different things. Some people meditate um, and taking that time for themselves. And I think caring for yourself is one way to nurture. That means you tell yourself that you're important. And if you're going to, you know... Um, take a walk or you're going to treat yourself to something you have to tell yourself you're doing it because you deserve it and that you're worthy of this thing. Yes, exactly. Affirmations, um, self-motivation, meditation, all those things. Yeah. I like, they're amazing. They yeah. work wonders. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the mind, right? We nurture our body. We exercise, we want to stay in shape, but we don't do it for our mind. Yes. We do it for the physical body, but the mind is also, I mean, the brain is a muscle. Right. So exactly. Yes. Yes. We got to put some positive things in there to get the positive out. So, you know, you can't you can't. What, what is it? You can't deposit um, zero dollars and expect to withdraw a hundred. Exactly. Exactly. That's <laughs> a know? very good reference. <laughs> so um, thank you for sharing that. Now, <clears throat> over the years, I've had the privilege right, uh, to get to know you uh, from time to time. And I know there's a period where you had some health challenges. What was happening? Still there? Do. <laughs> Still do. Yeah. Oh, you still you're still going through it. Yeah, still going through it. So in twenty seventeen, at the mm-hmm. age of um young age of thirty-four, um, I was told um by a rheumatologist that um I have uh, rheumatoid disease, um, which also known as rheumatoid arthritis. Um it was tough hearing that because I was my first thought was, What? I'm so young. I thought old people yeah, get that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that was my thought. And I, I was I was at the time I was in the gym, like working out, hit, hitting it, getting into shape. Right. Um but like I don't know, again, like speaking to my rheumatologist, she said it could be something passed on from your family if they suffer from any other type of arthritis. Um, which none of my um my paternal or maternal side that i knew of like mm. suffered from anything she and then she also mentioned that um it could mainly come from stress as well oh, right wow. um yeah so you and i was definitely definitely <laughs> stressed out at that time yeah. um even though i was in my career job um mm. to be honest like i was not happy at all yeah i was very unhappy um you know, and I, and I try to like feed myself, you know, like be grateful for this job, be grateful for this job. It's a well-paying job. Like pension's really great. Like people dream of getting this job, but I did not like where I was. And, um, you know, as well too, uh, where, um, these illnesses also come from is stress and gut health Yes, and like the foods, the things they put in the foods we eat. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was many contributed, um, contributing factors. Um, I'm a stress eater. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. So the fact that I was going through stress, my comfort was food. Right. Right. Um, so I guess that started deteriorating my body and making my immune system and my body attack itself. Right. Um, so I kept being off of, off from work and, you know, I was terrified because I'm like, I'm 34. <laughs> My kids, um, they have different dads. Mm-hmm. Um, and both their do- their dads aren't present in their life, at mm-hmm. least not like how they should. Right. Um, 
So it was just me. And the first thing that flashed in my head is who's going to provide for my kids. Right. You know what I mean? Who do they actually have have besides me? Right. And as much as my sister's there as well, like, like it just, it wasn't enough for me. So I was like, what am I going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that was my scariest thought because when the rheumatoid first hit me, my body started to shut down quickly. Yeah. Like, whereas in, I even went to the point of being okay, hitting the gym to using a cane. <laughs> I was wow. using a cane. I couldn't, I couldn't open just a mere water bottle. I couldn't take the cap off. I had to ask my, my kids or my sister or getting a cup down from the cupboard because it, it damaged um, my joints in my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, just the mirror trying to do that, I couldn't do. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to live? Like, what am I going to do? I kept having to book off work because I, like, I, there's a certain point where I would get up and then I tried to walk and then I can't move. Like, I've even had one experience on my shift where um, I, 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 I was, I drive, I drive, um, I used to drive mm-hmm. for the TTC and I got to one of my points and I just got off the bus to stretch my legs and I was standing by a tree just off the bus and then I was trying to walk back to my bus from the tree and I couldn't move. <laughs> oh my gosh. I couldn't move. I had to call, I had to call the division and actually another operator drove to come to pick me up, to bring me back. To, to work, I couldn't move. They, they sat me down in a chair and I had to call my sister. My sister came and got me and, you know, I had to go back for my car from work the next day. And I've had other experiences at work where even another operator had to, like, piggyback me into the division. Because, Are you serious? Yeah. Like, it was crazy. I was like, oh, my God, my, my life just kept flashing before my eyes. Wait, so what, what, what was your emotional state at this point? Because that, that to me, I'm listening to you and I'm getting chills, to be honest with you, because I'm like, what would I do in that situation? And I can't think of anything. But it what- was a wreck. It, it was a mess. It was a mess. But I, I had a few um, coworkers that I built um, a great bond with. And, you know, like, like, it's like I tried to pull out from the positive of it as much as I was terrified. I, I was absolutely terrified um, because I didn't know what was going to become of the rest of my health and the rest of my life and my kids' future. Um, then going back to um, my rheumatologist now, she had introduced me to this medication. Uh, it's this drug called um, metrotrexate. So they usually use it for um, patients going through like like cancer patients. Mm-hmm. But I guess they've been studying it where they've been giving people with rheumatoid a low dosage, a very, very low dosage, because this this medication has severe side effects. So they've been giving people with rheumatoid a very low dosage of this um, drug, and it puts the the illness or the disease in remission. It puts it to sleep. Oh. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board with that. <laughs> like, give me that. <laughs> because... I need more time. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? I need to be able to go to work and stop booking off and stop taking these long periods of time off. Um, So I was, I was on that drug for um, two years. And, and when I tell you it did wonders, um, I still, I still got flare ups Mm -hmm. from the illness, but they weren't severe. 
Right. I, I like, I didn't need my cane anymore. Um, uh, I still had mild, um, pain in my fingers and I still have physical damage from mm-hmm. when it first attacked my hand, what it did to my, um, my hand. So like some of my fingers are a little bit like deformed by the joints or like very swollen and fat mm-hmm. um, and just curved and bent a little. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I, I, on that drug, I was, I was, I was unstoppable again. Wow. But you know, like again, with these drugs that they push on us or they give us, it's, they're not good as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as I said, there's severe side effects. So on that drug, I had to get blood work done every month. I had to go get my, um, my heart checked every, um, every three weeks because it also, that drug also damages your liver. Like it, basically slowly deteriorates your body as well. Wow. So it was a catch 22. Right. Like, you know right. I mean? oh my so gosh. after, after just going through what I went through and realizing the drug, like I was losing hair from the drug and, you know, yeah. um, I was like, like there must be a better way. Like I started to study the illness online, try to like search up people that have it. Right. See, like, can, because they told me, this illness that I have, it can't be cured. It's, it's, I, I'm going to die with it. Um, and also too, it, this, having this illness shortens your life expectancy. So, um, are, are, sorry, are those two points true based on what yes. you've learned? Oh. Yes, they are true. Yes, they are true. However, however, there's a few people that said they've, um, got rid of the illness completely. Whether that's, I don't know if that's true, right? They right. said all they did was change their diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got rid of the illness completely, whether it's completely out of their system or not. I don't know that. Right. 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 I don't know that. So, but from all my research and finding out what I can eat, what I can not eat to kind of minimize my flare ups or, mm. you know, make it lay dormant for as long as I possibly can. That's, I researched all of that. I, I researched all of that and I decided I'm coming off these drugs and I'm going to do the best that I can to try to eat as properly as I can to not get those flare-ups. So that was my journey. Um, I haven't been on the pills for maybe about, maybe it's been about three, maybe three or four years now. Um, And yeah, so I've kind of just been pushing through doing it on my own. Um, uh, A lot of dairy causes flare-ups, which I love cheese. Cheese is a killer for me. I cut out milk a long time ago because mm-hmm. milk is something we should not be drinking. So I don't have to worry about milk, but cheese. But again, like I just minimize the amounts of these things that I'm, that cause flare ups right. that I put in my body and then maximizing the stuff that combat those things that yeah. cause flare up. I, I, I take a lot of sea moss now. Mm-hmm. Like I drink merengue tea, turmeric, turmeric yeah. helps with this. Yeah. Um, pineapple. Um, I just, I really try to just, just grab at the things that really help. I have, I still get minimal flare up, flare mm-hmm. up, but they're bearable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas then I could still live a regular life. It's, it's crazy because we don't realize it, but what we put in our system, our bodies is what causes a lot of the diseases. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Like, so exactly. people, you know, a lot of people think it's something that we, we contract. We don't contract it. Our or- nope. we're, we're an organism, right? So if yeah. something reacts negatively to something you just put in there, that's going to cause exactly. a disease. And so the, the sooner we recognize that, the better off we're going to be. 
Yes, exactly. Uh, that's actually a perfect segment uh, segue into um, what I'm going to ask you next, because I want to know about cooking with Tam Tam. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come about and, and, and um, where the name came from? Okay. So how um, cooking with Tam Tam came about is um, it, it kind of came about in um, unfortunate circumstances where, um, you know, because of the current time, Mm-hmm. Um, I, I made a, I made a medical choice to, you know, not put certain things in my body. Um, again, my choice is based on my, my family style and my kids. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I ended up losing my uh, career job. Mm-hmm. Um, so because I lost that now and, you know, I've always loved cooking. I've always absolutely loved cooking. Um, West Indian background, we like we especially the women were instilled like I had to be in the kitchen watching my grandmother cook what she's doing from the age of like eight years old. Okay? Yeah, yeah. There was no like playing around, like right. come and see what I'm doing, learn. Yeah. Like so I've always loved cooking. Mm-hmm. I've absolutely always loved cooking. Um I couldn't do it as much as um I wanted to because of the career job, because sometimes you just don't have time, right? Yeah. It's just so exhausting. Um so how that came about is when um, I got let go of my career job, um, I decided, you know, let me take on cooking because that's something that I'm very passionate about. And I actually used to, I used to bake before I had got my career job. Well, I used to make specialty cakes. So I didn't know that until obviously you brought some bakes baked goods to to the workplace uh, a few times yeah. and so i only thought of you as being that baker yeah right and yeah. then when i saw this i was like wait a minute we're actually like throwing down in the kitchen too like what's, what's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes okay okay yes. so yes i definitely did used to bake um before my career job um i was baking my own, my own business. Um, Kauai confections was the name of it. Um, it was registered everything. I did it out of my home. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was my business. I did that and I did school bus driving part time. Mm -hmm. Um, I absolutely love baking. Um, again, when I got ill and the illness really like tackled my hand, the, the baking became strenuous for my, my hand muscle. Um, and also, too, when I started that career job, I couldn't take as many orders um, as I wanted to. Um, right. So it kind of like died down and I kind of had to put that to rest um, oh, okay. because it was really, really taking a toll on my joints and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. So fast forward now to, um, you know, I said, let me do this, you know, like. um I'm always cooking for events previously, right? like my sister's engagement. I cater to it. Birthday parties, like my own, my kids, um, close friends. Like I used to cook um, for it all the time because like everyone around me just loved my cooking. So I said, let me just do this because um, cooking doesn't really take much work on the joints or the hands. Right. 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 Um, I don't have to roll out the fondant or mm-hmm. anything like that. You know what I mean? Or yeah. Um, continuous motion with piping of the cake. Right. So I said, this is definitely something I'm good at, something that I love. Um, and it kind of coincides with, um, because I've always planned and, and put together events and it was also something that I love, mm-hmm. it, it coincides with my events um, 
decor and planning company that I have called New and Lux, mm. right? So I said, the two can go together. Now I can offer a double service. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. two birds and one stone. So the person doesn't have to, you know, if they want me to rent my decor stuff and they want set up right. and now they need food, like they need their party catered. They yeah. don't have to go to someone else. Yeah, they can just shop. get everything from me. Yeah. Yeah. What, what you know, so what can we expect from your kitchen? Like, what are some of the things that you, you can say, you know what, it's my staple. Um, see, that's what I was, I, I'm still trying to, focus on like you know this is my main thing yeah. well right now everyone's making my wings cornbread and mac and cheese my main thing right oh, okay um, but i'll yes but i'll tell the world like i'm more than that i i, I love cooking everything and i'm and everything i cook <laughs> tastes absolutely amazing but now right now my big hit everyone is absolutely in love with um tam tam's wings um my honey butter cornbread and oh. um my creamy mac and cheese. That's the biggest hit ever. Damn. Can you give away any of the secrets or no? <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> I absolutely cannot. Just know that. Just know that because again, growing up, all I, all I have inside is a lot of love and soul. Yeah. Um, and I put a lot of that in anything I do, like my cooking, my event decor setup, my planning, anything that I do, you're, you're getting, that 101%. Yeah. What what inspired the, the name Nui in, in Lux? What inspired that? Um, what in, inspired that for uh, my event decor company is actually um, Nui, I believe, um, means darkness or dark, mm-hmm. um, right, in French. Um, and in Lux, because I'm, I'm a very, you know, um, I love being a black woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm very much for um, my people, my community. Um, so because they always portray like um, black people as in dark, bad, whatever. Right? right. I wanted to take that dark part and say dark in luxury, like black people can have luxury black in luck. Thank like you. Thank you. Thank you. Know thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love it <laughs> because that's a, that's a great way to, to, to flip the narrative, right? It's yeah. a perfect way to uh, flip it because here you are, you're taking the negative connotations of, of anything black, right? The, the characters in our cartoons are dark and they're black and they're, yeah. they're bad. Right. Uh, yeah. a, a dark cloud means something bad is about to happen. So, exactly. right. So you taking it and saying, no, black is luxury. Here we go. Yes, exactly. I love exactly. that. I love that. Because I, I want the world to know we can have luxury as well. And we are luxury yeah. as well. We come from luxury. That's it. That's it. And we bring luxury. Yeah. What's, what's your favorite part about the process of meeting a client for the first time uh, to when the event day is actually taking place? Oh man. Um, it's kind of, um, it's very exciting. Um, first meeting a client, um, and just kind of them telling you what they, what they want or what they visualize of their event. Right. Um, so that initial aspect, just getting to know them a little bit and them giving you a few hints and just for me, it's because I absolutely love what I do. Um, from once I, I, I do that 
speaking to them or meeting with them or have that first consultation. And with, from the time of speaking to them to the time of, you know, getting everything prepared for that event, it is exciting because I have like a million and one ideas that I'm jotting down to put their vision, uh, to make their vision a reality, right. To, you know, to, to make them see this beauty or this luxury of their event that they may not have seen for themselves. Isn't that, isn't that amazing though? Like you're taking someone's words because they don't really have a visual. They just, you know, taking snapshots of Pinterest images or whatever. And they think that's what they want. Right. But the magic of you bringing that to life and watching them, you know, see it for the first time. How does that make you feel? Oh my God. I love it. I, I absolutely, it's priceless. Absolutely, it's, it's definitely priceless. I absolutely love the reaction. Um, going back to that, even when I used to make cakes, cakes, and because I did such intricate works, mm-hmm. I remember like my clients used to like when they picked up their cake. They're like, or or when they have their events and they message me, they're like, "Wow, everyone loved it." Like I've even had some clients, and these aren't wedding cakes that I used to do. They're like baby showers, birthday right. parties. I've even had clients save parts of their cake because they're like, it looks way too beautiful. We didn't want to cut it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, that's what you want it for. You know, and, and just to even hear that, like, they're like, it's so beautiful. I yeah. did not want to cut it. Like I've legit had clients say that even now in terms of my cooking and my food, like people glorifying, like, even like just the wings and corbett thing, people blowing sides to me, like, this is absolutely amazing. Like hands down the best. Like I, like, like, I, I don't know. It's like the feeling is yeah. unexplainable. I know, you know, I want the listeners to take key to this because this is very important. A lot of people go into businesses and start businesses because they think they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. And they don't realize. And, and oftentimes when they go in it with that mentality, they miss out on, on these moments that you're describing is yeah that's the reward that's what keeps us going is is exactly right the reactions and and all these things and the appreciation for the effort that we put forth and i think you know as entrepreneurs and and i'm I'm glad you brought that up i'm so glad you brought that up because (laughs) that is the big um thing with you know people think that entrepreneurship is you know you're just gonna go make go make money um you know and and it is definitely, it's a lot of hard work yeah. and it's something that you have to love doing because the money will not come right away. Yes. It will not come. So something has to keep pouring into you yeah. to make you want to continue to push, to do it. That's right. That's right. And, and that-, that is the, the, the reactions you get, the comments, the reviews, yeah. like, you know, the interactions, like that is what's going to continue to push you to drive yeah. to make your 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 business become what it needs to be in the future yeah. yeah because people people aren't honestly people are not are not just there for the the food they're there for the service they're there for exactly. how you make them feel that's more important exactly. than the food because if i make you feel really good about you and what you're getting from me guess what you're going to love the food even more Exactly. It may not be like I've had people, you know, bake cakes and they're not the best bakers, but they're, the, exactly. you know, they're really good at, you know, they have a great personality and they know how to tap into people and, and, and all those things. And that's what makes them thrive. And it's not because yeah. they're the best baker. No, 
you yes, know. exactly. Because before I start, and that's what kind of motivated me to start doing my own cake. I, I, I used to love watching those um, cake shows on TV. Cake yes, Boss, yes. All of those. I, like, I grew up on those um, yeah. shows, so I loved doing, uh, watching them. And then I, I remember one time I spent a lot of money, because um, specialty cakes are very expensive. So mm-hmm. I spent um, a lot of money on one of my birthday cakes I ordered from someone. This was someone new. I've never met them before. I think I found them online. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a cake um, from the person and it was a fairly small cake and it was like $300. And wow. when I ate it, it, it wasn't that great. It was just like a, but, a box mix but, and the icing like, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> pretty much. Like it, it was lacking. Like it looked pretty. Yeah. Yeah. But then I said, you know, I said, you know what? I can definitely do this. I'm yeah. very I, like I'm good in the kitchen. I can bake cakes that taste good. Not only taste good, but yeah. look good. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh my gosh! So we're in a segment in the show that I call "Thinking Out Loud." Right now, I'm gonna ask you the silliest question, and you got two options in that question, and you got to pick one. <laughs> okay. Okay, you ready? It reads Yeah. Would you rather get your first kiss in front of the entire high school or trip and fall in front of the entire high school? <laughs> <laughs> I would say the first kiss because I'm easily embarrassed. Because <laughs> Ain't nobody want to fall in front of everybody. <laughs> Definitely the first kiss. <laughs> oh gosh. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I usually throw that segment in there. Um just to kind of shake things up a bit. Uh, you know, sometimes the conversation is very deep and and heavy. Yeah. So I, I lighten it up with the, with that little segment. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we're nearing the end, but before I get to the following question, I'm I'm curious if you can share with us. What can people expect from, you know, um, cooking with Tam Tam as far as service and and also what can we expect from the Nui in Lux business that you offer? Okay, um, so what people can expect from uh, cooking with Tam Tam is not just food that, um, you know, looks good. It's you're getting food that tastes good, that touches your soul. Um it's it's you're getting good customer service. It's it's like you're going through all the lists of everything that maybe somewhere else is lacking. Mm-hmm. You're getting everything all in one. It's you're not just getting the food. It's it's good food, good mood. Right. Um. And 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 I and I go by that. Um. You know, basically the full package. Yeah. I aim for the full package. And as for um, Nui and Luck. I like what I what you should expect is just me bringing bringing your dream to light. Beautiful, beautiful. Now regarding the food, because I know somebody's probably thinking. Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of catering, you know, businesses popping up with the pandemic and everything else. But um, do you have your smart serve and your food handling certificates? I actually do. I I most definitely do. I do have um, my food handling certificate, and I I do have my um, smart serve. Um, I believe my food handling expires 2025 awesome. and I'm definitely, I definitely plan on renewing that, um, as well. Um, 
right now I'm trying to um, get into motion, getting, um, you know, the health um, approved um, or sticker. So right. I can stick it on my front door right. um, where they come and assess and to, you know, mm-hmm. make sure my kitchen is, is okay to, to be doing that. But that's what I'm working on right now. But yes, I do have um, both those certificates. Beautiful. I, I wanted to make sure I highlight that because I think it's important for people when you're ordering food, uh, whether it's through social media that you connect with the company or anything like that, you need to know these things. Right. And so yeah, not exactly. everybody advertises it because not everybody has it. So I think it's important. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And I, and I do actually, I advertise it on my page mm-hmm. and um, I used to um, have the actual certificate up in one of the, the stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I took it down, but Anyone who like requests for it, I can definitely send them, um, you know, proof of it as well. Beautiful. That's important to know. <clears throat> now, how has the pandemic impacted your business? Um, it didn't impact my um, business majorly. I would say the only part, actually, um, I'm lying. The only part that it did impact would be for my event planning side of it. Because right. I've had that a little bit. I've had um, that. Um, a little bit longer than cooking with Tamtam. Right. Um, so for my, in terms of my event planning, because during the pandemic, all the restrictions and the limitations right. for events and events not being able to happen, um, you know, th- there was that part. So yeah. that part was very, it was very slow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was okay because at that time I still had my career job right. where that was something I was doing as well. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that's how that aspect of um, the pandemic affected my event uh, decor and planning a lot of restrictions. Couldn't do much. Now now we, we are nearing the end, but I'm curious what motivates you to grind the way you grind. My kids, (laughs) my, my children are, my world, they're my everything. Nice. And, you know, um, my motivation is uh, breaking general genera- generational curses um, from them, for them, um, just pushing so that they can have uh, a struggle-free life mm-hmm. um, as much as possible because right. life is difficult mm-hmm. no matter what, right? Yeah. Um, just they drive me to make sure they do not fall on hard times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to, my next question I want to ask you is, is something that I, I have a feeling you're going to use your kids. So I'm going to eliminate your kids from being the answer. <laughs> you ready? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you most grateful for at this point <laughs> in your journey? <laughs> um, what am I most grateful for? life that's awesome um i'm 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 most grateful for um you know being able to wake up every day yeah um thank 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 the father almighty that Mm -hmm. i'm able to wake up every day and um you know i'm able to push through every day and my illness is (laughs) sleep or whatever it is um that it's not taking the best of me or a toll of my life Mm -hmm. just I'm very grateful for breathing air and just living. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Could you share, you know, an important life lesson that you've kept with you always? 
an important life lesson. Um, or a message or something that somebody said. A that, message? Okay. Yeah. So one message um, that I just want everyone to, to know and to really look into is um, society instills in us a lot of things, a lot of things that may not be real, a lot of things that may not be true. And I want people to try to like stay away from society, like stay away from what society says life should look like or what life should be or what they portray as how a normal, perfect, regular life is and focus on what you really want to do, like what you really dream of, not um, perpetuating or living someone else's reality or someone else's life or what you've been told. Right. Right. I like that. I think what I'll do is I'm going to take a leap here and, and summarize that. Basically what you're saying is society's prescriptions are not necessarily healthy for us. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Now, when it's all said and done, how do you want to be remembered? How do I want to be remembered? Yeah. Um, just as a good person, like, um, a good friend, a good partner, good mother, good sister, just as a good person. I, I try to, I, I'm, I'm not mother Teresa. Um, I've done, I've done bad in my life as well. Um, but I try to live my life as good as possible. Um, and I just, I just, I just want to be remembered as, a good person. That's love it. it. I love it. Now, before I let you go, um, how can people reach you and what's the best way for them to get in, in touch with you to order place orders or book you for an event that you can decorate for them and so forth? How can they reach you? Okay. So in terms of my event planning business, um, they can definitely access it on Instagram at Nui and Lux or um, on my website, www.nuiandlux.com. Uh, they can send me a message on there. I can contact them. We can speak, uh, or they could do bookings on there in terms of events and what they would like, um, to get in touch with, uh, Tam Tam's kitchen, uh, just access it on again, Instagram or TikTok, which is at cooking dot with dot Tam Tam. Um, and again, uh, you can, text me to order, um, via the order line, or you can DM me, um, via my at cooking with Tam Tam page to place an order. Man, Tamika, I want to thank you for taking the time to join me on this episode. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. I think it's very impactful. I got a lot. I learned a lot, a lot from you about you. And I think listeners will definitely appreciate the fact that you are extremely vulnerable in sharing everything that you shared with us, the stories I think are going to change people's lives. And I appreciate you for that. I can't thank you enough. And I think you're really how I opened the show. You are an inspiration and I don't want you to forget that. And I, I want you to hear that from me um, and how important your journey, your story and your experiences are to everybody else. I didn't think, I don't think people know about that condition that you described. Right. And so again, you gave us some insight on that and, and the impact that could have on a person's life. So it's just a nice and a fresh reminder of what we need to be aware of, which is how we take care of our bodies and our minds. And so with that, 
I really want to thank you for blessing the show today with your presence. And for the listeners, please tune in, continue to support the show and share the episodes. Uh, Let others appreciate and, 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 you know, get the gems from the stories that you're hearing. And so until next episode, love, peace and nappiness.